Comcast Washington, brought to you by Aspire Consulting. My name is David Bain. I am the Safety and Loss Control Specialist here at Aspire, and I'm here with the owner of Aspire, Greg Cabesity. Today we'd like to continue our discussion regarding OSHA 300 reporting and recording requirements. We will review and discuss specific cases that will help illustrate in a little more depth some of the more frequently asked questions regarding OSHA record keeping. First, as we've received several phone calls on this, I want to briefly recap electronic reporting requirements for Washington. A couple things to note. One, moving forward, OSHA will only be requiring the OSHA 300A summary to be electronically submitted. Until just recently, OSHA required both the log and the summary for certain size companies to be electronically submitted. As it stands now, you will only be required to submit your 300A summary. Second, Washington will finalize this into law effective starting in 2020. So as of now, you will only be required to submit your 2019 summary in March of 2020. So again, this is not required in Washington until March of next year. So let's get into some common scenarios. Asking questions today will be owner Greg Cabasi. Hi David, it's great to be here today. Let's talk about work relatedness. We recently had a worker push an electrical panel resulting in a broken bone in his right hand. Do I still need to record this on my OSHA log? Unfortunately, yes. The record keeping rule contains no general exemption for cases involving acts of violence in the work environment. I know this is frustrating, but remember the regulation states that recording a case does not indicate that an employer or employee was at fault or that an OSHA standard was violated. In addition, OSHA recognizes that injury and illness rates do not necessarily indicate an employer's lack of interest in safety and health. Recording a case indicates only three things. One, that an injury or illness has occurred. Two, that the employer has determined that the case is work-related. And three, that the case is non-minor, meaning that it meets one or more of the OSHA injury and illness recording criteria. Thanks. That helps clear that up. So let's move on to diagnostic procedures. I had a worker slip on the ice and fall, injuring his hand. He went to the doctor and had x-rays, but they came back negative. Is this recordable? If the worker did not miss any work or have significant restrictions due to his injury, this would not be a recordable event. Remember, diagnostic procedures in and of themselves are not recordable. Now, if that x-ray or MRI reveals a cracked bone, then we refer back to the general recording criteria and see that we now need to record this on our OSHA 300 log. Okay, so in terms of prescription medications, I have another question. I had a worker go to a clinic because fine piculates entered her eye and caused irritation. All they did is flush her eye with saline and prescribe antibiotic eye drops. She was back to work the next day with no restrictions. Do I need to record this? Yes, because there was a prescription medication. OSHA states that all prescription medications should be considered medical treatment because they are powerful substances that can only be prescribed by a licensed healthcare professional. OSHA maintains its long-standing policy of requiring the recording of cases in which a healthcare professional issues a prescription, whether that prescription is filled or not. That helps clear that up. But I do have a question about stitches, butterfly bandages, and medical glue. I had a worker cut his forearm on an exposed nail. 
He went to the medical clinic where they cleaned and closed the wound with medical glue and sterile strips. They also gave him a tetanus shot. Do I need to record this? Yes, but only due to the medical glue. Medical glue is considered medical treatment beyond first aid and is analogous to something like a suture or a staple to close wounds. Tetanus shots are not considered first aid though, so if he would have, say, only received butterfly bandages and strips, this would not be a recordable event. So I have another question about anesthetic though. I had a worker go to a clinic for a puncture wound. A local anesthetic was administered prior to removing a metal fragment with tweezers. The wound was then sterilized and covered before he went back to work that day. Is this recordable? No, this is not a recordable event. The treatment given falls under the definition of first aid, even though an anesthetic was administered. Great, let's move on to restricted work and modified duty. I had a worker injure his shoulder. He went to the nearest clinic where the physician prescribed modified duty of no lifting over 50 pounds. This is not a problem for us because he rarely lifts so even over 25 to 30 pounds. In addition, he always has a helper with him. Since he has restricted duty, do I still need to record this? No, you do not. Restricted work activity occurs when you keep the worker from doing the routine functions of his or her job or from working the full work day that they would have worked before an injury or illness occurred. In this case, even though there is a restriction, you are not keeping the worker from performing their routine functions. The restriction does not significantly impact their normal activities. That's helpful, but I think I have a strange one here. It's in regards to temporary labor. I had a worker that I hired for a few days from a temp labor company. He got injured on the job and had to have stitches due to a cut from a circular saw. I know the stitches make it recordable. How do I handle this since they are only temporary labor? While you are not responsible for the potential LNI claim that may be associated with this incident, you are responsible for recording the injuries and illnesses of temporary workers. The responsibility is determined by supervision. If you are directing their output, then you are responsible for the OSHA incident. But, let's say you are down to the wire on a project and you hire a crew and supervisor to come do final cleanup on your job site, but you are not there or responsible for direct supervision. This would then fall into the category of a subcontractor relationship and you would not be responsible for the OSHA 300 documents. That makes it very clear. Let's talk about counting the number of days now. I'm getting confused on how and where to record the number of days missed from work and the number of days where a worker was on light duty. Can you help explain this? Yep. There are three things to remember with regards to recording days missed or days with significant light duty work. One, you begin counting the days from the day after the incident occurs, regardless of when this happened. It could occur at either 7.30 in the morning or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. The day of the incident does not count. Second, you must count the number of calendar days the employee was on restricted work activity or was away from work. So, you mean Monday through Friday, right? Nope, all the days in the calendar. This includes both weekends and holidays. You may stop counting days of restricted work activity or days away from work once the total of either or the combination of both reaches 180 days. What do you mean? Where do I enter these on my OSHA log? 
If you look on your OSHA log, there are columns labeled K and L. This is where you would enter the number of days of both restricted activity or missed days. Once the total of either or a combination of both of these columns reaches 180 days, you may stop counting. Where you classify the case is in columns G, H, I, and J. Here you are simply checking a box, not entering a number. Okay, what if the injury happens toward the end of the year? How do I carry this from one year to the next? Everything that is associated with your OSHA log entry is solely dependent on the date of the incident. So if you have an incident on the last day of the year in 2018, then all the accompanying data will stay with your 2018 documents. You do not carry any of this information over into the next year. We want to thank you again for your time today. We hope you found this review of specific OSHA 300 scenarios helpful. Keep checking in with us as we continue these podcasts. Again, thank you for your time. This has been Comcast Washington, brought to you by Aspire Consulting.